It's better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. You're listening to an audio teaching from Cross Connection Church Houston. We're a small church located in Pasadena, Texas, and it is our mission to save the lost, equip the saved, serve both the lost and saved, and to send the equipped. To this end, we teach through the Bible on a verse-by-verse basis, starting at the beginning of a book and working until the end. If you would like to learn more about our church, you can find us at connectedtojesus.org or check us out on Facebook at Cross Connection Church Houston. We pray that this teaching would grow you in the grace and love of Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, for the past few weeks, I've been thinking and praying about, you know, what am I going to share in this final message that I have in this final service that we're here. And, you know, each time the Lord has kind of kept bringing me back to this topic of love. And uh, I think sharing about love would be uh, fitting for uh, our final time together because, you know, the reason this church exists is because of God's love for us. Uh, the reason I am here is because God has called me through His love. The reason that, that you are here is because God has brought you to this church and, you know, His love has flowed through each of us and, uh, it's just been amazing just to see His, uh, hand in a part of everything. And so, uh, I just like to have my final sermon be one of encouragement to continue, uh, in the love of the Lord and, uh, thank you for demonstrating love to me and just to express on behalf of my family and I how much we love you. You know, in John chapter 13, Jesus reveals to his disciples that he's only going to be with them a little bit longer. And right after that, he gives them a challenge to love. And I thought uh, that would be a fitting passage for us to look at this morning as, you know, I'm here just a a little longer uh, and just wanting to encourage you with loving. And so we're going to start with looking at what Jesus tells his disciples about love in John chapter 13, and then we'll look at a few other passages about love as well. So John chapter 13, verses 33 through 35 says this, Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So in these verses, Jesus reveals how the world is going to know that we are his disciples, how everyone's going to know that we follow him. So there's this a specific thing that, that you and I can do, a specific thing that will reveal to people who look at our life and they'll know you're a follower of Jesus. Now, the first thing I want you to notice about these verses is what Jesus doesn't say will show to the world that we're his followers, that we're his disciples. He doesn't say, all will know you're my disciples if you preach the gospel. He doesn't say, all will know you're my disciples if you teach the word of God. He doesn't say, all will know you're my disciples if you sing praise to my name and worship me, or if you go to church every Sunday, or if you do good works, or if you pray every day. Notice he says, everyone's going to know you're my disciples if you love one another. The main thing that reveals to this world that we're followers of Jesus is our love for other believers. 
Now, I started by emphasizing what Jesus doesn't say will will demonstrate that we are his disciples, because I want to show that we oftentimes emphasize so many things in the church that are good things, but sometimes misemphasizing the most important thing, loving God, loving each other. You know, there's a great emphasis in the church world on preaching and teaching and praising and praying and serving. And we should emphasize those things. Those things are biblical. Those things are good. But sadly, when it comes to loving one another, that's sometimes not emphasized enough or maybe even more importantly, not done enough. Loving God and loving one another should be the greatest things we emphasize in the church. You see, something very important to understand about all the important things, all the good things that we emphasize in church is that love is the foundation to all of them. You cannot be effective in teaching if you don't love the people that you teach. You cannot be effective in evangelizing if you don't love the people you're evangelizing to. You're not going to be effective in prayer if you don't love the people you're praying for. You won't be effective in praise if you don't love the one that you're praising. You're not going to be effective in serving if you don't love those that you serve. Paul says something in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's the foundation of love. In verse 1, he says this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Paul wants us to know, you know what, you could be the greatest speaker in the world. You could have the gift of tongues. You could speak like an angel. But if you don't have love, your words are just sounding brass. They're just clanging cymbals, which are just annoying noises. Without love, no matter how gifted a speaker you are, your words are just an annoying noise. He goes on to say in verse 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Here he lists three of the biggest things that the, the Corinthian church were pursuing and desiring to have. Three of the biggest things that people today in the church world pursue and desire to have. And that is spiritual gifts, understanding, and faith. You could have an amazing spiritual gift like prophecy. You could have a huge amount of faith, so much faith that you could remove mountains. But if you don't have love, notice what Paul says, you're nothing. I mean, the Corinthian believers and people today would say, man, if you got those spiritual gifts and you got that kind of faith, you'd be everything. You'd be so amazing. It'd be so awesome. You'd be the super Christian. Paul says, no, no, no. If you have those things, but you're void of love, you're nothing. He goes on to say in verse 3, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. You could be the most giving person in the entire world. You could give all that you have to feed the poor, or you could give something even greater. You could give your own life. But if you don't have love, if love is not what is motivating you to do this, notice what we're told, it profits you nothing. You know, what Paul is communicating in these verses is that love is the foundation to everything. 
It's a foundation to all these things that, that we highlight, these things that we elevate in the church and speak about how important they are. It's like love's a foundation, and without it, all that other stuff is nothing. Now, he's not saying that these things are bad. He's not saying that they're worthless. He's not saying that we shouldn't pursue them. He's just saying they have to be connected with love because when they're not connected with love, then they don't profit anything. But when they do connect with love, they're amazing. We should do them. We need to evangelize. We need to teach. We need to pray. We need to serve. We need to do these things. We need to praise the Lord. But we need to do it in love. So we need to understand that love is one of the most important things to emphasize, one of the most important things to pursue as believers in Jesus, because everything else we emphasize and pursue, it stems from our love for God, and it stems from our love for others. Jesus was asked a very important question, you know, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And if you go and you read through the law, there, there's so many wonderful commandments. But, you know, Jesus, what's the greatest one? What's the, the most important one? And this was his re- answer to that question. In Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He says, I'll do one better. I'll give you the top two. The first greatest commandment, love God with everything you have. The second greatest commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus says, on these two commandments, loving God and loving others, hang all the law and prophets. What he's saying is the same thing that 1 Corinthians says, which is love is the foundation to everything. You see, if we would love God and we would love others, then we would just naturally fulfill the law. We would naturally fulfill the commandments of God. For example, the, the commandments that so often come to people's mind are the Ten Commandments. There's many more than that, but you know, just look at that for an example. Uh, the first commandments, or the first four, are directed towards God. The last six are directed towards others. And so the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Well, if you loved God, truly loved Him, would you have another God before Him? No. Third commandment, don't take the Lord's name in vain. If you truly love the Lord, would you take His name in vain? No, you wouldn't. Well, what about the commandments to others? You know, if you love them, would you murder them? Of course not. Would you steal from them? No. Would you bear false witness against them? No. You know, if you would just love God and love people, you'll naturally do what God commands you to do. You see, Jesus knew how foundational love is. And that's why he says these words that we looked at in John 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. It's our love for one another that is the greatest witness that we have to this world that we are followers of Jesus. Now, when Jesus tells us to love one another, I'm so happy that he didn't just leave it up to us to determine what that means. 
Because, you know, we use this word love and we use it in all sorts of different ways. I love Bluebell. I love my wife. You know, I love my dog. I love, you know, and there's different levels of love. And we hope that, you know, your spouse is up here and maybe Bluebell is maybe here. But, you know, or I love my guns. But we use this word and, and we need to recognize, you know, there's different levels. And so Jesus doesn't say, hey, love, and you get to determine for yourself what that looks like. He determined it for us. He, he reveals to us what he wants, the kind of love that he's declaring. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. You know, I just read Jesus's response when he was asked that question. What's the greatest commandment? And he responds by quoting both Deuteronomy chapter six and Leviticus 19. Deuteronomy chapter six was the, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And Leviticus 19 was love your neighbor as yourself. But now notice Jesus says, I got a new commandment. Those are the, the old commandments in the Old Testament about love. But I got a new commandment concerning love for you. You see, the old commandment told you, love your neighbor as yourself. And that's a great commandment. I mean, if all of us did that, you know, this world would be a lot better place. If we could actually love others as ourselves, we'd be doing good. But Jesus says, no, no, I got something new. That commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, I want you to take it a step further. I want you to go beyond loving your neighbor as yourself, and I want you to love as I have loved you. I want you to love with the kind of love that I demonstrated to you. So an important question for us to ask is what kind of love did Jesus demonstrate to you? What kind of love did he demonstrate to me? He's asking us to love or commanding us to love as he loved us. So, so what kind of love is he commanding us to show? Well, the Bible's full of verses that, that deal with God's love, but I just want to look at one passage. Romans 5, 6 through 8, I think gives us a great picture of the kind of love that Jesus showed, and he's asking us to show as well. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want to highlight two things that these verses reveal about the love that Jesus shows so that as we see this command and we're challenged to say, all right, I want you to love like I love you, notice the two things. The first thing that I want you to note here is that Jesus' love was so great that there was no one he wasn't willing to love. Notice when God demonstrated his own love towards us. When was that? When we were super good, when we were worshiping him, when we were loving him, when we were obeying him? No. It was when we were still sinners. God showed the most powerful demonstration of all when he died for our sins on the cross. Jesus loves and dies for us when we were rejecting him, when we hated him, when we despised him. He loved us when we were unlovable. So when Jesus says, love others as I have loved you, he wants us to love everyone. Even those unlovable people, even those difficult people to love in your life. Jesus says, you want to love like me? You're going to have to love those people as well. Jesus says this in Luke 6.32, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. 
It's a great test of love for us. If you think, well, I'm such a loving person. Well, well here's the test of love. Because sometimes we think we're so loving because, man, I'm so loving to my spouse or I'm so loving to my family or I'm so loving to my friends. So what you're saying is you're so loving to people who love you back. Well, that's great. It's good to love people who love you back. But that's easy to do in comparison to loving people who don't, to loving people who are your enemies, to loving people who stab you in the back, loving people who speak bad events to you, loving people who do horrible things to you. And Jesus is saying, you know, if you just love those who love you back, well, what we do? What credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. The real test of love is are you willing to love your enemy? Are you willing to love those who don't love you back? That's the thing that sets us apart from this world. And that's the real test to see how loving am I really? So the first kind of love that Jesus shows, a love that's so great, there was no one he wasn't willing to love. And the second aspect of Jesus' love that I want you to take note of is that there was nothing that he wasn't willing to do for us. Jesus' love was so great that he was willing to give the greatest possible thing that he has, which is his own life. So when Jesus says, love others as I have loved you, he wants us to love others so much that he says, hey, be willing to give of your life for that person. Jesus says in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You know, in our world today, people have all sorts of, you know, well, this is what the greatest demonstration of love is, or, or, or this is the best way to show love. And, and you know, we'll, we'll hear that from different people. But what God says, which is the most important thing, is the greatest demonstration of love is to lay down your life for someone else. Now, I want you to notice something important about this greatest demonstration of love. Being willing to lay down your life for someone else. It's an action that you choose to do to love someone. It is not a feeling that moves you to love someone. Think about that. You choose to, to sacrifice yourself, to die to yourself for the sake of someone else or literally to die for someone. It's an action you choose to do. It is not some feeling that moves you to love. See, notice Jesus doesn't say greater love has no one than this to have overwhelming feelings of love towards someone. Oh, that's the greatest love there is, is just to be filled with this feeling of love for someone. That's, that's the best thing that there is. Jesus says, no, the greatest demonstration isn't about feelings. It's about a choice. A choice to act upon, a choice to do something that would lay down your life, even for unlovable people, even for people who don't deserve it, even for people who won't reciprocate it back to you. The Greek word that Jesus uses for love when he says, love one another as I have loved you, the Greek word that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians for love is this Greek word agape. Now, there are several different Greek words for love, and really the big difference between agape and, and all the other Greek words for love is that the other Greek words for love have a lot of feelings, have a lot of emotions that are connected with it, and really all those other aspects of love are given to those who love you back. But agape loves because it chooses to love, not just because it feels like loving. Agape loves those who don't love it back. Agape loves the unlovable. So when Jesus says love or agape one another, he's not saying we must feel love or feel affection or feel this kind of friendship towards people. He's saying we have to just make a choice. 
Make a choice to love them. Even when you don't feel love towards them, even when they're not lovable, even when you know they're not going to love you back, you make a choice to love them. So it's important that God is not commanding us to feel a certain amount of love to somebody. He's just commanding us, choose to love even when you don't feel it. Choose to love when your feelings you know, are, are maybe even taking you in a different way. <laughs> Lord, if you knew how I felt about this person, yeah, I do know how you feel about this person. I know they're your enemy. I know what they've done against you. But you know what? I want you to be like me, and I want you to love your enemy. You see, Jesus is the best example of someone who made a choice to sacrifice himself, to show in the most powerful way the demonstration of love for us as He allowed Himself to be crucified. So as Christians, we need to love like Jesus loved, where there's no one that we would exclude from our love, and there's nothing that we wouldn't do for someone in love. Now I want you to understand something very important. If you don't love others like Jesus loved you, That not only shows a lack of love for people in your life, whether that's your enemy, whether that's your spouse, whether that's a coworker. Yeah, it definitely shows there's a lack of love for them. But you know what? Something else important to understand. It shows a lack of love towards Jesus himself. You see, Jesus commanded us to love. He commanded us to love others as he loved us. And so when we don't love our spouse or our kids or or other people in our lives, we're not only failing as husbands and wives and parents and friends and co-workers, we're also failing as followers of Jesus because he's the one who commanded us to love. So the main reason we should love others in our life is really just to be obedient to Jesus who commands us, not because they're worthy, not because they deserve it, Not because they're going to do something back for us and we feel like, all right, I'm going to get something because I'm going to show this love. It should All that should be irrelevant. You know what? I'm going to do it because Jesus commands me and I'm going to do it in love for him. We have all different ways that we would love to show our love to Jesus. But he just says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. I want to sing a song to you. Oh, I don't want to do that. I, I want to you know, write you a poem. I don't want to do that. You know, like, we don't really want to follow Jesus' prescription for showing love. We kind of just want to show our own way to show love. And he's like, you know what? The best way to show love is obey me. And one of the biggest commands I give you is love others. And so if you want to show me love, then just love other people. And that will show me love. I mean, I think of this as a father You know, it's like, man, my girls, if you want to show love to me, one of the best things you can do is just love each other. Because when you're fighting and you're bickering and you're at each other, you know, that is something that causes me grief and it hurts me. And I get blessed when you love one another. And it shows me love that you're willing to love your sister. Or for us as brothers and sisters in the Lord, that we would show that love unto the Lord. You see, it's not a true claim that I'm sure many of us have made in our life. Oh, Jesus, my love to you is great, but my love for these people over here, not so good. That's not a true claim. We can't say my love for Jesus is doing great if my love for others isn't, because they go hand in hand. If my love for others is not good, and guess what? My love for Jesus isn't good either. Because I'm disobeying what he's telling me to do. The only way to say my love for Jesus is good is if my love for others is also good. 
Because they go hand in hand. They're connected. This is one of the most important things we should be seeking as we follow Jesus. Lord, I want to follow your example of love. Now, any of us who have tried to do this, we recognize this is super difficult. People are difficult. Lots of people that are hard to love. And maybe you're one of those people. But the reality is it's not easy to show the kind of love Jesus is commanding us to show. And it's impossible if we're relying upon our own strength, our own love. That we're going to try to muster it up in my, all right, Lord, I know I'm not so unloving, but tomorrow I'm going to just muster up the strength to be more loving to my coworkers or, or this person or that person. And we're just going to have this losing battle because in and of ourselves, yeah, we don't have the love. We can't do what Jesus is calling us to do in our own strength, in our own ability. And that's why we must rely upon Jesus' love, rely upon His strength, rely upon His ability. If you want to love more like Jesus, you've got to spend a lot of time with Him. And you have to abide in Him. Jesus shared a very important truth in John 15, 4 and 5. He says this, Abide in Me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in Me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If you want to love like Jesus loves, the only way that that is possible is you have to abide in Jesus and his love. You got to stay connected to Jesus all the time. And Jesus gives us this picture that he's the vine and we are the branches. And if you want to bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, you want to bear that fruit, you got to stay connected to the vine because when that branch is broken off from the vine, it just withers and it dies and it stops bearing fruit. He is the one that has all the nutrients, all the source of what we need to bear spiritual fruit. We have to stay connected to Jesus all the time. You know, please let that sink in. For so many years of my Christian life, I read this passage, I, I understood intellectually what it was saying, but I just really didn't believe it. And I demonstrated I didn't believe it because I just kept trying to accomplish things without abiding in Christ. I kept trying to accomplish things in my own strength and my own power. And so I thought, you know, oh yeah, I can do nothing without Jesus. And oh, here I go trying again. Oh, here I go trying again. And as I would fail and fail and fail, it took lots of failure for God to help me see you can't do anything of spiritual significance unless you're abiding in me. And the quicker we come to that reality, the better. Because you know what? There's so much striving and effort and, and things that we try in ourselves and it just leaves us you know, uh, just saddened that we haven't been able to accomplish in our strength what we wanted to accomplish and we just get broken and beaten down because of it. And you know, I can just save you so much heartache Realize you're never going to accomplish this in yourself, in your strength. Just obey and abide in Jesus and watch how he, through the power of the Spirit, enables you to do what he's called you to do. Trust in him, rely on him, and he can enable that to happen. Something I've discovered in the many years that I've walked with the Lord 
is in order to love like Jesus loves, you need to be a lover of Jesus. In order to love as Jesus loves, you have to be a lover of Jesus. If you want to put this challenge of loving others as Jesus loved you into practice, you have to be a lover of Jesus himself. You see, Jesus is love. So it's by being a lover of Him, by spending time with Him, by getting to know Him and His love in a deeper way, by depending on Him, by abiding in Him, that He starts to change you. And then you start to become someone who loves like He. It's through that time of, I now am growing in my love for Jesus that I naturally start to grow in my love towards everyone else. I think something important to understand is that our love for Jesus is always in a state of movement. We're going to either be moving towards more love, or we're going to be moving away and less love. And one of the biggest factors that determines which way we are moving, whether it's more love or less love, is in how much time we are investing in that personal relationship with Jesus. If you're here this morning, you're thinking, I want to be someone who loves more like Jesus. I want to grow in that. Don't just walk away and say, okay, tomorrow I'm just going to try harder. The best thing that you can do if you want to grow in love is grow in your love relationship with the one who will naturally change you to be more loving as you spend <coughs> excuse me, time with him. If you neglect your love relationship with Jesus... It's just going to cause you to move towards being less loving. And I'm sure I, I, I can see it in my own life. I'm sure that if you look back in your life and you think, man, here are some of the most unloving times, whether it was to you know, my spouse or whether it was to my kids or to my coworkers or, or my neighbors or, or whatever it may have been. You know, I can guarantee if you're honest with yourself, you see, you know what? That was a time that I really neglected time with Jesus. I rarely spent time with him. And this is the byproduct. I became an unloving person because it's something that goes hand in hand. As I spend time with the God of love, I will naturally become more loving. And as I neglect the God of love, I'll become less loving. You know, of all the things that we could talk about about love, I want to make sure that the challenge isn't just that we need to be more loving like Jesus. But really, the biggest thing I want to leave you with is just how much God loves you. You know, he deeply loves you. He demonstrated it in the most powerful way. Jesus said himself, the greatest demonstration of love is to lay down your life. And that's exactly what he did. But I want you to realize he wants a deep relationship with you. I think sometimes we, we hear that and maybe we don't really believe it or accept it. Like, no, he, he wants a, a relationship with the pastor. He wants a relationship with, with those spiritual people. But, but he, he sees what I'm like. He doesn't want a relationship with me. You know, I have all these sins and all this brokenness and all these failures and all these issues. And, and so sometimes we come to this place where we say, no, I don't believe that he really does want that deep, intimate relationship of love with me. But it's not true. He knows your faults. He knows your failures. And he paid for them on the cross. And he desperately wants time with you. An intimate relationship with you. And you know what? The great news is he's always available. He's always making himself available for you. The only reason time with Jesus doesn't happen is never on his end. It's always on ours. We're the ones who reject that time. We're the ones who say, I got other things more important to do, God. 
He never says that to us. Hey, Lord, I want to spend some time. No, no, I'm busy. Try tomorrow. He's always available. He desperately wants that time with you because he loves you so deeply. And as you spend that time with the God of love, just one of the wonderful byproducts of that is you become a more loving man, a more loving woman, a more loving follower of Jesus, a more loving husband and wife and parent, friend, coworker, neighbor. We just become more loving people. And we start to fulfill what God says. You know what? This world is going to know you're my disciples. Not because you're such an amazing evangelist or teacher or servant, but because of your love for other people who are in the body of Christ. They're going to look and they're going to see and they're going to be blown away and they say, those are followers of Jesus. You know, one of the greatest privileges of being your pastor for these past six and a half years has been watching you grow in love for the Lord, watching you grow in love for one another. You know, we've had lots of visitors through these last six and a half years. And, you know, many times visitors will come and they'll talk with me and they'll just kind of share their initial thoughts of our church, whether it's been, you know, a few weeks that they've been coming or maybe it's even a few months that they've been coming. And they, they come and they just kind of share some of their thoughts. And, you know, what I love to hear the most is not, oh, that teaching is so great. I'm like, oh, thank you. Or, oh, that worship's so wonderful. Or, you know, oh, the, 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 what you guys do with the kids is such a blessing to my family. I mean, those are nice things to have, and I hope that we do that. But, you know, what I love to hear the most is when someone says, man, I felt so loved at your church. When I came in, you know, people just welcomed and they loved me. And oh, I just feel like this is family. I feel that this is home. And for me, that's the most important thing. That's the thing I, I want us as a church that when someone comes in, that that's the biggest thing that they leave with. I've been loved. And the great thing is that only happens because you guys are a group of loving people. I've seen this so often in how you show love towards one another, and I've personally experienced it as you've loved me, as you've loved my family. And, you know, my family and I are so blessed to have been able to be here for the last six and a half years with you, I have been so honored personally uh, to be your pastor for that time. You know, you guys have treated me and my family like family. You have loved us. You have taken us in. You have been there for us like family. Uh, and I want you to know on behalf of myself and, and my family that you guys will all always be family to us. You know, we deeply love you. Uh, we're going to Greatly miss getting to see you in person uh, each and every week. Uh, we are going to stay in touch. We are grateful that we have the age of technology and we can stay in touch in an easy way. But you know what? We are excited for what God's going to do through you, what God's going to do in you as the, the months and the years continue. As much as I love you, God loves you far more. He has a much bigger plan he has a much bigger purpose than I could even think of and imagine for you. He has a special plan for this church as a whole. And so my family and I are just excited for what the Lord has in store for this church, what the future holds. We're so excited that God has called Aaron and his family to, to lead this church and just to continue the work that God has been doing. And I'm confident that you guys are going to show Aaron and his family the same kind of love that you have shown me uh, and my family. And you know what? It's just been a privilege. It's been a privilege not only to serve you, 
but to serve with you and also to be served by you. And I want you to know that you're always going to have a, a special place in my heart. I know you're always going to have uh, a special place in my family's heart. And, you know, we just want you to know that we're always going to love you. Uh, we're going to greatly miss you. We would love for anyone to travel to visit us because we, we desperately would, would like that in the future. But uh, you have meant so much and you mean so much to us and uh, you are family uh, and we love you. Let's pray. Father, I am so grateful for this body of believers. I'm so grateful for the work that you have done, the work that you're doing. And Lord, I am excited for the work that you have in store. Lord, because I know that you tell us that you are going to be faithful to complete the work that you start. And Lord, I know you're not done. You're not done with me. You're not done with any individual here. But Lord, you're not done with this body as a whole. You're not done with the work that you have in store. You're not done with how you want to use this church to reach Pasadena and Laporte and Deer Park and just the surrounding areas here in Houston. Lord, I know that you have great things in store, and I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful that you have given me a time in my life where I was able to be a part of your work here, where you have blessed me to be able to be with these wonderful, amazing people, Lord, and that you have just brought us together as a church family as brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, and, and what a blessing it has been, Lord, these last six and a half years just to grow in that relationship with one another, uh, just to have these times week in and week out of serving together, Lord, of seeing people come to know you, Lord, of seeing people grow in you, Lord, of just having times where we're there for one another in the ups and the downs, Lord, and uh, just watching you do miracles, watching you heal lives, Lord, watching you work and do things that just blow our minds, Lord, and that we got to experience that together as a family. And so, God, I'm just so thankful for each and every person here. And Lord, I just pray your blessing upon them. Lord, I just pray that as this transition happens, God, that they would remember that you are ultimately the one that is always there, that will never leave, that has a wonderful plan, and that's going to continue the work that you started. And so, Lord, I just thank you that you are such an amazing God of love and that your love has been clearly poured out and displayed among this body. And I'm so grateful that I have got to experience your love flowing through so many people here. And so we're just grateful for the work you're doing and we are excited for the work you're going to continue. And we just ask that you would do amazing things that would go exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could ask and all that we could think. And I just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, can we go get the kids here and, and bring them into the service, at least older? We're going to close this morning. We're going to have a, a time of transitioning the pastoral leadership from uh, myself to Aaron Green. And, you know, the great thing of all this, and I've shared before, you know, we're just confident in what the Lord has been doing. The Lord calling my family to, to make this move and, and have a new ministry in Auburn, Alabama. And God calling Aaron and his family to come and take the, the leadership of this church over and, and minister here. And, you know, God has done the work. 
You know, this isn't something that our leadership has mustered up. You know, the Lord has done the calling. The Lord has done the equipping. The Lord's going to continue the work that he started. Uh, and so what we want to do as we transition the pastoral leadership is really, you know, God's done it all. We just want to do our part in prayer. Uh, and so I just want to leave it open, you know, for you as a body uh, to get to be a part of this time. Uh, in a moment, we're going to have Aaron and his family come on up. Uh, I'm going to have the, the leaders of our church come up. We're going to lay hands on them. But I don't just want the leaders to pray. We will. But I just want to open it up for the rest of you. If you want to, you don't have to by any means. But, you know, if it's something that the Lord's putting on your heart that you want to pray for Aaron and his family as they take this time to transition and lead this church and all that goes with it, uh, that you would do that. Uh, and then once we do that, I'll close us in prayer. Uh, and then my family is going to come on up uh, and we're going to have a time for anyone who wants to pray, uh, just to get to pray for uh, myself and my family as we make this transition. And so I'm going to have the, the leaders of the church come up and, and Aaron and his family come up. And we're just going to leave it open for a bit uh, for you guys to pray. And so if you desire to pray, just pray aloud so people can hear you. Uh, and then uh, I'll eventually close us in prayer. And so let's just take some time to, to lift them up and what the Lord is doing uh, with them. And so we're going to lay hands on them and why don't you guys just, uh, I'm going to have uh, Mike open us in prayer and, and then we'll just leave it open to whoever wants to pray.